Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Glenn Hawke, and it is great to bring you another episode of Blue Sox Banter. Now, first up, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening so far. The response has been fantastic, particularly our episodes, our last couple of episodes, where we caught up with the great man, Manny Ramirez, just before he headed into Sydney, and also our two-part episode featuring Rachel Balkovitz, the uh, hitting coach for the Sydney Blue Sox this year. The response, the feedback has just been overwhelming, and we do thank you very, very much for being part of it. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell all your mates about it as well so we continue up these podcast podcast charts. Let's keep doing that. Now, this week, we're going to change our attention a little bit to uh, some of the local stars, and these two young blokes are certainly that. Lachlan and Alexander Wells, two boys from Belmont, who uh, applied their trade in Newcastle before signing professional contracts a few years ago. Lachlan signed with the Minnesota Twins in 2014, and just 12 months later, his twin brother AJ signed with the Baltimore Orioles. Both young blokes have done some fantastic things. Bit of an indifferent uh, last 12 months for them, particularly with the uh, with the COVID outbreak. No minor league baseball over the last 2020 season. We get a chance to chat to him about that and a whole lot more. I caught up with them face to face. It was great to do so, and I started by asking them what they've been up to. Oh, thanks for having us, mate. Um, not much, really. Just been working on some uh, or doing what I can through the pandemic with baseball and then, yeah, just playing golf whenever I can and, uh, yeah, just punting a little bit as well. AJ, that, that's you, golfing and punting? Yeah, it's uh, pretty uh, pretty much the same for me, golf, punting, and uh, it's getting a bit of throwing and working out and stuff like that. Living the, busy. Living the dream at the moment, boys. That's it. Someone Tell us, we're going to go right back here to the, to the start, but um, I suppose just from the top here, it's been a strange year for everybody. Tell us about where you were and where you found out about what was happening this year when, with Lee shutting down and having to come home. Where, where were you, AJ, when that all happened? I was at spring training in Florida. Um, we first of all got a couple of days off um, because they didn't know what was going on and um, we were just – clueless to what like you know we didn't know what was going on we heard about the coronavirus and we knew it was spreading a bit but we didn't know the you know how bad it was ending up going to be so we as i said a couple of days off in florida went to the beach like nothing was going on then i think sunday night they gave me the option to uh stay or come home and i think i made a wise decision to come home and lucky for you i suppose it was a very similar situation yeah it was um we would just got done practice and we were uh, watching, I was watching the MLB network in my room in the, at the Twins Academy there in Fort Myers. And we were, I didn't, wasn't really paying much attention to the game because it was really the only thing on. And then it comes on and it's the breaking news. MLB is suspending spring training. And I was just like, okay, I wonder what this means. Like we'll probably just be here for an extra two weeks, not really doing anything, just playing like in a squad games and not being, uh, being able to interact with outside, um, fans and stuff so I was like clueless as what Alexander just said clueless to what everything was going on and then we had a meeting that night saying oh this is what we're going to do we uh, we had the um, next day off as well and then by six o'clock that night we were uh, getting flights and packing our bags and heading home. It must have been so tough going through that that spring, spring training building up to the season you're all ready to go then all of a sudden it's all shut down. Yeah it was um, probably one of the better spring trainings um, for me, that I was feeling as well. I got over there a little bit later just because I had some visa troubles. And um, But once I got that and I was on the plane ready to go, or got off the plane ready to go and got there and I threw I threw a bullpen and then two sim games and then that was it. And then shut me down, back home. Boys, it's been an incredible journey. I'm going to go right back to the start here. And, and I've known you two since, um, well, I suppose you're big enough to walk around Baseball fields in uh, in Newcastle and particularly down at Miller Field there at Belmont. But yep. tell us where it all started for you, AJ. When did the what's your earliest memory of, of baseball? Um, watching it on the TV at home. Uh, first of all, like we weren't we were playing cricket like every other uh, young kid in Belmont was at the time, um, and we wanted to do something different during the winter months just to you know keep the arm strength up for cricket. And we tried baseball. Went down to a come and try day at uh, Miller Field and. Yeah, started there and never looked back. Yeah. And Lockie, was it obviously the same for you? But um, do you remember, you know, those first couple of games? You, you obviously took to it fairly well. Yeah, well, we got um, we were playing t ball, so it wasn't really like pitching and all that type of stuff. It was just hitting off the tee and being able to like you know play the positions and 
do all that, but it was a lot of fun and obviously enjoyed it enough to keep coming back year in, year out, and, yeah, the rest is history. You always a pitcher? Um, no, I'm a pitcher and outfielder. I like running around the outfield and making catches and stuff like that, but when guys started throwing a little bit harder and hitting was not an option anymore. <laughs> what about what about you, AJ? Much of a hitter as a young as a young bloke coming through. I like to see myself as a hitter back in the day, but like, uh, hang on, like every pitcher, you like yeah. to like to see yourself as a bit of a hitter. Yeah, that's it. I like to play the outfield a bit as well, but yeah, as Lachlan said, once I started to throw a bit harder, focus more on pitching and trying to do the exact same thing. Really, you went through, I, I suppose, the same career trajectory as a, as a lot of young baseballers in. Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. You went through club ball. You were playing representative baseball through Newcastle and, and New South Wales country. Do you remember the first time that you kind of thought or, or there was a bit of interest in you to, to take your career a little bit further in baseball? Yeah, um, down in the under-16s nationals, like our first year, under-16s, um, we developed a little bit of interest from scouts and stuff like that. Um, and just to, you know, we, we thought, oh, well, what's going to come of this? Like, we don't really know. We're only like 14 at the time. And you think, oh, okay, if they see potential in me now, oh, am money just going to get bigger and stronger and better, I guess? And, you know, it just makes you want to work hard and you really started to focus on, like, getting that goal of signing a professional contract and getting over to America. And, yeah, I think that's where it all started. And, lucky for you, it was the under-16 nationals in, in the, the first year of your under-16s where – those scouts really started to, to take a bit of notice in what you were doing. Did you feel any sort of pressure in those days, in, in those early stages to, to perform, or was it just a case of go out and, and do, your, do your thing and what happens, happens? Um, I didn't really feel any pressure, not in like under-16s, especially being only 14 and 15, because obviously you can't sign until you're a 16-year-old and then once the signing um, international signing period starts. So I didn't really take much notice of it, but I knew they were there and I knew that, there was a little bit of interest, but nah, not really any pressure, to be honest. I just went out there and um, just did what I had to do and competed and let my results do the talking and, yeah, just worried about what I was doing on the field more than anything. January 2014 at the Nationals there is when the the interest really started to um, to come, particularly for yourself, Lockie, in those, in those early stages. A, a number of clubs were, were sniffing around at that point. We know where you ended up, but what were the options on the table when you were coming through there? Um, so in the Nationals there, the first year under-18s um, at Canberra, I was just – I pitched the first day and then got um, got told that I had to go and uh, have a shower and put some nice clothes on and we're going out for lunch with um, a couple of, or one of the teams and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Didn't think much of it then. I was just like, oh, free lunch. <laughs> so – I was like, oh, I'll take that for what it's worth and hear what they've got to say. And then as the Nationals kept going on and on, and then the, later in the Nationals I found out that mum and dad and um, Belly, who was our advisor back then, was uh, were going out for lunches and coffees more often than what I was hearing. So <laughs> I, think, I think it was good that they kind of kept that away from me so it was like I could focus on competing at Nationals. And then, yeah, just through the next six months going to the Australian Academy and then coming back home. Yeah, had the um, twins really interested in me. And then there's a couple other teams in the background as well that obviously still gave thought to, but yeah, just ended up signing with the twins. What was the motivation or, or the reasoning behind going with the twins? Um, well, they had a, a lot of Aussies have gone through the twin system. And I thought, oh, well, these, a, lot of, a lot of guys have had success with the twins. I was like, oh, I thought to myself, here's a good opportunity to give myself the best um, option, best foot forward to making it to the big league. So I decided to sign with the Twins and then having those guys over there um, as well uh, would have been, oh, was one of the big things as well. Having um, like guys like Todd Van Stensel, Lewis Thorpe, Josh, Josh Geyer all over there being able to um, help me um, in, in those first couple of months of Pro Bowl because obviously – nerve-wracking experience going as an 18-year-old leaving home for the first time and going to America, big city. Did you speak to Did you speak to those guys before you signed? Um, I wouldn't say I, like, I spoke to them a lot about it, but just little conversations here and there, like with um, Josh Guy at Blue Sox practice and 
knowing Todd through playing in some other teams and at the Blue Sox as well, like we always used to just have some some uh, small conversations, but never like anything in large and into detail. So, but not always any like, any time I had a question, always ask them. So it helped. I was very fortunate to be there in that day in August in in 2014. We were at. Uh our old baseball headquarters at Belmont Sportsman's Club mm-hmm. with uh, with Howie Norsetter there, the, the scout who uh, who picked you up and and you signed that professional contract and a fairly healthy one as well. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the feeling when you uh, when you put pen to paper that day? Well, the start of the day I was nervous. I was very nervous. I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know how to act and all that type of stuff. But now once I put um, pen to paper, it was like a bit of a relief because knowing that all the hard work that I had done has got me to that point was just it was like just a big relief to get it done, but obviously knowing that the hard work's just about to start again, so I, it was mixed very uh, a day of mixed emotions. Yeah, but no doubt very excited as well. Oh yeah, very excited. Yeah, and Absolutely. AJ, tell us with you. You know, obviously you guys took a very very similar path right through your your junior baseball through representative levels, and at that point, you know, Lockie was getting a lot of interest there from these organisations. Mm-hmm. How was it for you coming through? And it, it, it really just wasn't your time at that time. Yep. How was it for you with that going through that process? Um, it was a bit tough to tell you the truth, like seeing Lachlan get all this interest. And I mean, I'm doing the same thing as him, throwing strikes, getting guys out, and just not with the velocity at that stage. But it was a bit tough. But in the end, it made me more hungrier to go out there and compete. And, you know, just did my thing. Tried to like I, I was very supportive of Lachlan when he signed and stuff like that, you know, doing the twin brother thing. And, you know, but as soon as he got over there, like to America, I just started to like, you know, I was more focused and more, you know, competitive really to get out there and get a contract myself. So probably made me a better player in the end, you know, watching him go over and making me just want to do it even more. Lockie, you went over there in, in the start of, of 2015. As you said, you'd only just turned 18. You'd never lived out of home. You'd probably never been on a holiday without your parents before. How did you find that, um, firstly, the the big move over there and, and really you're thrown into the deep end? Um, yeah, it was pretty interesting travelling halfway across the world all by myself for the first time and then getting to Fort Myers Airport and having some guy that I've never met before pick me up and then drive me to the academy. Yeah, it was Nerve-wracking. I was like, yeah, a day of, another day of mixed emotions. There was nerves and I was scared a little bit, obviously. And But once I got to my room, it was, it was all right. I called family and told them I'm arrived safe and you can, mum, you can go to bed now. Like, you, you, I'm, I'm all good. And, but now those first couple of months, it was, um, it was just different, like trying to acclimatise myself, obviously going to Florida for the first time and then um, just getting to know everyone and then, yeah, just, Trying to become a, or trying to be a professional athlete all in the same time, it was just, yeah, it was weird to be honest. Really, first couple of months, it just felt like a blur until I really got settled and got comfortable. So, so when you first went over there, um, you've gone from a, a kid from Newcastle who played baseball every weekend, trained a couple of times during the week. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, you're playing pro ball, where this is not just a game for you, but this is this is your life now. Yeah, that was another um, big thing as well. It's like, oh, if I don't perform here, it's a job now. It's not just a game. Mm. If I don't perform, I'm on the next flight home. So that was another thing that was um, really nerve-wracking as well. It was just like that's when I think I did put a little bit bit of pressure on myself to obviously perform and um, be the best player as I could. And then obviously you get the the homesickness there in the first year and it was – um, all those emotions again together just, I don't know, just made me want to be a better player and pr- just prove people that I can do it and I can stick it out and prove people wrong. And, yeah, just went out and just competed like it was a, a Sunday afternoon game at 2.30 at Mill Field. And you put up some pretty good numbers in that first season. That um, 10, 10 games, 9 starts, 5-2 and two win-loss record. It was a really good start to your, to your pro ball career. Yeah, it, was, um, it definitely was a good start. It was a good confidence boost for first year going over there, not in, not knowing how I was going to go and not really knowing what to expect. And then, yeah, to have the season that I did and then be able to look on look back on it my first year and obviously have that confidence and then, yeah, just took that into next year and 
the rest is history. AJ Lockie's over there applying his trade in uh, in baseball in the pros for the first time. Meanwhile, you're at home still chipping away and the phone calls started to come and, and the interest started to come. And I've spoken to – you mentioned Stu Bell before. He's a good mate of all of ours. But um, I spoke to him during that time when, when Lockie signed and, and the, the thought process for a lot of people was – AJ's probably 12 months behind. Don't worry about that. He keeps putting the work in. He will eventually get there. And essentially that's that's what happened. It was probably another another 12 months. The phones started to ring. You said that Lockie go, going over there really drove you. Yeah. Tell us about that, uh, where that interest did start to come. Um, it started to come probably a couple weeks after Nationals finished. We went to the Oceania Championships in... New Zealand before the World Cup, we won that there, and I I had a pretty good game. I pitched seven innings against New Zealand, and like the interest started to come a bit there. Then it like it went quiet just because of the signing period hadn't started yet, and it started to pick up when I was at the academy again. And then the Orioles really stuck out, and they were really interested. And I um I had to make a decision to agree to sign the day before we flew over to Japan for the World Cup and I agreed and had that flight all the way over there thinking about it and I'm just like, oh, this is sick, I'm going to be a Baltimore Oriole. This is pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I'd signed, I think, one of the first couple of days while I was in Japan after, I think it was after my first start over there and sitting in the hotel lobbies with um, Mum and Lachlan was there and with Brett Ward, the Oriole scout, and Michael Snyder, the international guy who was it was pretty surreal. Uh, I can't say many guys would have signed in a hotel lobby in Japan somewhere, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's a pretty good story for me. So yeah, the Twins did come knocking as well, and, and there was mm-hmm. a there was certainly an offer on the table for you to go to the Twins, and, and really it was it was the promoters' dream, wasn't it? The Twins yeah. from Australia both ending up in the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. But why the Orioles view? Why not the Twins? And uh, and link up with where Lockie was as well, and, and why the Orioles? Um, I just wanted to. Um, create my own journey really um i said to a couple of people i was like i just i don't want to be compared to lachlan if i get over there and you know they'll be like oh it's lachlan's twin brother Ale- alexander and like oh is he going to be able to do the same thing or the same success as lachlan had his first year so that was my an- another part into it i was just like i just want to you know go go on my own and see like there was no australian guys in the orioles at the time and i was just like yeah, I'll just go be the only Australian in the Orioles and see how it t- how how I go. And I mean, yeah, been pretty good. I suppose that's been the journey for both of you. And and probably most twins growing up, they lead very similar paths, doing very similar things, getting compared to each other all the time. Yeah. But this was the first time that you really had a chance to create your own destiny and your yeah. own identity. Yeah, yeah, just. I got over there and like a couple guys recognised me. They thought they thought you were Lachlan. They thought yeah, they <laughs> thought I was Lachlan. And when I got here, I got traded over from the twins and stuff like that. And I was just like, no, 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 we're twin twin brothers, like same, basically identical twin brothers. And they were just like, oh, that makes perfect sense then because you bloody look alike. And I was like, yeah, pretty crazy. And I was wait till you see us together side by side. And I think in spring training in 2016, Lachlan travelled up to. Our, um, our spring training complex and we, we were just there outside having a chat and everyone was just like walking past like double taking and I'm just like oh my god what are you guys looking at we're just identical twins like <laughs> in a baseball uniform it's not <laughs> you guys are wearing a baseball uniform the exact same so I mean it's pretty cool that we could confuse guys and yeah, it was awesome you mentioned about that twin thing and I need to tell a story that the three of us actually played on the same team together when you first turned, you were 15, you, you were still playing first year under 16s. And at that point, yeah. you weren't allowed to play any higher than third grade in Newcastle baseball. They, they were the rules. And, and you were both pitching and fairly well dealing it, dishing it up on, uh, on Sunday mornings at, at Miller Field. Now, I remember this particular day playing against uh, Mayfield Boomerangs. I'm playing at first base. And I can't remember which one of you started that day. I think it was me. Yeah. So, AJ, it was you starting. And, yeah. and you've come up and, and you – you were just sitting down hitter after hitter as a, as a 15-year-old and one of the opposition players from Boomerangs was blowing up. This kid shouldn't be in, in third grade. He should be playing higher and he just kept going on and he just kept getting struck out. He got struck out twice. Pitch limits were up. Yeah. So we've gone to the bullpen. So I said to this particular bloke, Neil, I said, Goffo, uh, good news. 
the picture you're complaining about, we're getting rid of him. He said, oh, it's about time too. I said, there's only a little, one bit of bad news as well. He said, oh, what's that? So we've got another one coming on and he looks exactly the same as the last one. So then uh, you, Lockie, then end up turning up and, uh, and striking me out a couple of times as well. But uh, the, the whole twin thing, it really was, as you say, it's, it's been a, a phenomenon as much for yeah. other people, but for you guys, it's just that's just the life that you've lived. No big deal, Lockie. Nah, not at all. <laughs> it's good. It's, uh, being a twin, oh, people say, oh, how do you do it and all that. And I was like, well, especially in a sport of baseball, we need to throw every day. Got a throwing partner. Yep. When you want someone to catch the ball for you, got someone to catch the ball and then someone to compete against every day, same thing, day in, day out. And you've continued to drive each other yeah. through this whole whole journey, haven't you? Absolutely. Whatever he does, I want to beat him in exactly the same. And when you signed AJ, mm-hmm. you knew exactly what Lockie signed for. Mm-hmm. Is there any truth to the rumour when they put a figure on the table, it was exactly the same and you asked if you could your contract could be 10 cents more? Oh, yeah. I said, <laughs> I said it was a joke, but I think I ended up getting the 10 cents anyway. He gave it to me in... Just in my hand, I was just like, okay, there's extra 10 cents more than Lachlan got. So, so forever more. Yeah, that's it, forever more. It's in the bank account now. <laughs> let's, um, your first season with the Baltimore Orioles um, in 2015, 2016? 16, yeah. 2016. Tell yeah. us about your your first foray into, into professional baseball. Again, going from that kid playing weekend baseball in Australia, obviously Lockie told you a lot about it, what to expect, but you really wouldn't know until you're yeah. in there doing it yourself. Yeah, uh, I went over to spring training, you know, uh, nervous as anything as like Lachlan was. Um, it also helped that Lachlan had already been over there for a year so he could like tell me what was going to happen and stuff like that. But I got over to spring training and, you know, fresh 19-year-old from Australia, not not a big guy, not the biggest guy in the room, probably one of the smallest guys in the room. At six I, foot one, mind you. Yeah. Still one of the smallest in the room. Yeah. I wasn't really he- that big. Weight wise, it would have been no chance. But yeah, anyhow. <laughs> yeah. I only I didn't throw much in um like innings wise in spring training, so they sent me to extended, which I was expecting anyway. And uh, I had a really good extended spring training, and um went up to the short season side up in uh, Aberdeen in Maryland. Um, went up there and pitched pretty well there as well. So I, I had a really good first year, and I think it's um. Boosted, as Lachlan said, you got that confidence to go out and, uh, you know, you can just go out and pitch and not have a worry in the world when you're all confident and stuff like that. So I was, I had no issue of confidence and so, yeah. So I was, re- I was really looking forward to going back each, well, each time and getting out there and getting to pitch. So it was good. Does, does good form give you confidence or does confidence give you good form? Um, I think if you pitch good, you have that, you get that confidence, but you don't get yourself on a too high of a level because you know, baseball humbles you pretty quick. So you just got to keep that even keel. And it also helps too. I feel like if you're pitching well, it makes the season go a bit quicker mm. and you tend not to get really that homesick because if you're in a slump and you're struggling a bit, you're going to start to get upset and you get a phone call from mum and you just, you know, all the emotion will come out. And so to be pitching good, it's just, you know, you get that confidence and, it's like riding the wave, really. Tell us, yeah, tell us about that. It's an incredibly long season and 162 games in the major leagues. It's still a hundred odd season, hundred odd game season mm-hmm. in the minors as well. Like, as we said, this this goes from a game that we play once a week yep. over six months of the year to an absolute grind. Yep. Tell us about that that kind of middle part of the season um, when you're kind of doing this day in day out yep. now, starting to get a bit fatigued. Um, you might be losing a couple of games. How do you keep yourself up? How do you keep yourself motivated for that next game and and really not for that next pitch, that next innings, that next hitter? I try not to um, like focus on baseball once I leave the field. That's a big thing for me. Like once I step out of the clubhouse, that's it. The game's done. Like it doesn't matter what happened, and that's it for me. And um, but yeah, just I mean, you get on those buses and at like twelve o'clock at night, and you got a eight-hour bus trip. You don't get in till the next morning. Like you're tired and like some of that starts to kick in and it starts to like wear you down a little bit. But whenever you get the chance to get an off day, you just don't do anything baseball related. You just mellow out, go play golf or just even stay inside all day and just watch TV just to just to relax and 
take your mind off it and once you go back the next day you're refreshed and you start to get like a second wind or yeah just clear mind lucky aj just mentioned about about the bus legs and you know we watch movies like Bulldar about minor league teams being on the buses and, and traveling around the countryside we saw in the in the national rugby league and the afl during this season through COVID, where teams had to travel on the day and you know we're talking about disruption to their preparation having to fly in fly out on the day but for a minor league baseballer, that that's the reality of, of every day of your your working life, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, and it's just one of those things you got to do if you're going to make it to the top and you want to fly everywhere. You've got to go through the the long bus trips, the long days, the shitty hotels, mm. the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that you eat. Just one of those things you got to do. And obviously, you wouldn't uh, be over there and doing all that if you didn't love the game. So. I mean, it does it does suck sometimes when you get to like the middle of the season or the later part of the season. The next thing you know, you got a ten hour bus trip, and you're like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to get on the bus, but you just got to do it. You just got to get it done, and then yeah, traveling on the day that you've got to play does suck. But it's just one of those things you've you've got to do, and the way that you prepare once you get off the bus, obviously, is going to tell you how good you're going to play that day, or if you're playing and pitching after bus trips. Is definitely the worst thing you, you can do, but I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things you've got to do. Yeah, try. I, I suppose it's like um, getting on a bus in Sydney, driving to Melbourne, or get on a bus to Melbourne overnight. Try and function as a, as a human being when you get off at the other end. But you guys have got to get up, get off the bus, get the kid on, and prepare for prepare to pitch. And yeah, it, it's a real cutthroat world in the in minor league baseball. This is this might be a season on the line. This might be a career on the line. You can't walk on there and go, ah, oh, you know, it sucked up today because because uh, we had a bus ride last night. That you can't use that as an excuse, can you? No, you can't really use the um, the bus trip as an excuse because there's 20, 23 other guys that are doing that bus trip with you, and if they're all going to have a chance to play that day as well, I mean, there's no excuse because yeah, you may if you do pitch bad or you pitch good or you play good or you play bad, like. There's always going to be someone behind you wanting your spot, mm. so it's either you just got to, you know, deal with it, get out there and give everything you've got, and yeah, just hopefully, whatever you do once you get off the bus can prepare you to um, be able to play that day. Lucky, you, you started. You said you started in A ball. You made some progression through 15, 16, 2017 when you were with uh, with Fort Myers. Now, up until that point, from when you first started playing baseball and were throwing, you had success every year. Mm-hmm. Your progression went up and up each year. You didn't really know a lot about losing baseball. That 2017, it was a tough year for you, going 4-11 and 11 throughout that season. I think you, you had some injuries along the way. How tough was that season for you, I suppose, dealing with, um, dealing with some injuries and, and also dealing with the fact that, you know, you weren't winning every day? Yeah, it was a tough, um, tough season for me. Um, not only just physically, obviously having some niggling injuries and then mentally as well, because obviously I was pitching pretty bad or have not having the greatest, uh, the greatest season numbers weren't too good and pretty inconsistent year. And yeah, it was just the first time that I've really felt that I dealt with a, a bit of adversity. Um, and yeah, just pitching wasn't going to plan. And then getting those niggling injuries and it all snowball effects into one and next thing you know, it's halfway through the season, you look back on it, you're like, oh, this isn't going too good. Mm. And you get to the pretty much end of the season, you look back on it, you're like, oh, you just want it to end. You just mm. want it getting, getting closer to the last day of the season, you just want it to end so you can go home. And Yeah, that was a definitely a, a bumpy road. Yeah, I said you had – well, mentioned you had some um, – some arm injuries as well. Tell us about those injuries, and it, which which led to some um, to some surgery for you as well. Yeah, so in um, in twenty seventeen, I was pitching actually, and my family was over over in America watching me, and then I thought it was a little bit sore, a couple of starts leading into it, and I was like, oh, I think I'll be all right. Family's coming into town; it'll give me a little bit more confidence, and I'll go out there, and everything will be fine. So I get to that day, and arms not feeling too good. I was like, all right, I'll just pitch anyway. Family's come all this way to watch me pitch. I'm going to pitch. Um, get to about the third or the fourth inning, and my arm just started to ache. I had um, 
had some problems there. So I came out in the fifth inning and went and told the trainer. I was like, yeah, I think um, something's wrong with my arm. Like, I'm in pain. Every time I threw the pitch in those last two innings, I was, I was hurting. And he's like, okay, we'll take you into the um, clubhouse and we'll do some tests on you just to do further um, a torn UCL test, some manual um, things that they do. When they said, no, nah, everything seems to be all right. And then, yeah, just went to the um, doctors the next day and got MRI. Everything came back clear. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just a little stiffness. Little so it was the first time I've thrown probably this many innings back-to-back years ever. So mm. I was like, all right, couple a couple of weeks off should be good. And then went into back over to the minor league side um, and – Stayed with the extended guys for a little bit, did some rehab, got my arm back to where I thought it was good, just finished out the season. And then, yeah, it was the next year's when when surgery hit, had Tommy John surgery, um, a lot of MRIs, a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of rehab, and then finally surgery. So it was a bit of a, a, bit of a pain in the ass. Had it took six months to get the surgery because obviously if I had got it six months earlier, it would have been better. But obviously... Uh, just one of those things happens. So you're talking about when you were going through the through 2017 when you you got some niggles, and when you're playing baseball every day, you're playing that much. You're going to have some niggles along the way, but I suppose it's identifying what's the difference between a niggle and and, and playing, you know, playing fatigued or hurt and being injured. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose there's did you find was there pressure on yourself or pressure coming from the team to keep performing or keep playing despite being injured? Um, none. I was putting um, a little bit of pressure on myself just because obviously last thing you want to do is be injured mm. and be hurt. And obviously I, when I was pitching, I, was, I wasn't I was pitching to my best and I was probably – I was definitely letting the team down a little bit there. So I was trying to make up for some of the games that obviously didn't pitch um, pretty good and then, yeah, it just kept getting worse and worse and my results kept getting worse and worse and it wasn't um, – wasn't good for myself or for the team to for me to keep pitching at that point. So that's when I went to the um, trainer and said, "I think we've got a problem." Twenty eighteen, that pretty much reeled the twenty eighteen out for you. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how tough that was when this is now your livelihood. This is your profession, playing baseball. You, you can't do that. Was there any time where you thought maybe I'm not going to get back from this? Yeah, definitely had um, had some of those uh, thoughts. Um, after surgery, before surgery, I was fine because I was like, okay, good, I can get it healed and then be back in no time. And then you see the program that you've got to go through just to get back and it's an 18-month-long um, rehab um, stint and you're like, well, won't be going home anytime soon this year. I'll be here until um, late November. Be back in first week of January to rehab, or January next year to rehab and yeah, those are the times where you just think, oh, am I, is it ever worth it? Because you do the same thing. It's very uh, day in, day out. It's all the same for the first couple of months. So you like all these exercises. You like you get to the second week of doing it. You're like, oh, I don't want to turn up to the field today. I don't want to go and mm. I don't want to wake up at seven o'clock just to go and do these exercises again. Like, this is just not going to be good. And then yeah, just um, had those thoughts of just, oh, am I ever going to come back? If I just pack my bags now and leave, everything will be all right. And then, at the in the end, just spoke to some guys about it, and ended up we had a good good group of guys down there in rehab um, at that time, so it made it a lot easier mm. having a good group of guys to hang out with every day, especially in the training room where it's a pretty morbid place. If you've got an injury, like you don't want to be there, and yeah, just stuck it out. And late or oh, second half of the season in 2019, I was back with the Fort Myers Miracle. Has it made you a more determined baseballer? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've definitely felt more motivated um, coming back from the surgery and then obviously made it made me a better person mentally as well, being able to um, deal with um, a potential career-threatening injury and then uh, being able to come back from it. So, yeah, just I'm definitely more determined and, uh, yeah, I was wishing that we didn't uh, get shut down this year because of the pandemic, but... AJ, for you, it's been a lot more smoother ride through through the minor leagues, and, and it's been really consistent over the last mm-hmm. couple of years for you through um, yep. through 17, 18, 19, 
24, 25 starts each. You've had a winning record each year. Yep. Tell us about that progress for you and, and, and going through those those different steps from from sort of low A ball through to where you finished up in double A. Yeah, um, I went into low A in 2017, uh, open-minded, you know, first full season, just trying to throw as many innings as I possibly could every time I went out there to play. And I uh, had a really good year that year and um, tried to do the same in 2018, but put too, uh, probably put a bit too much pressure on myself. Uh, going up a level and going out there and trying to, you know, do the same thing as I did the year before. Um, but I found a bit of a groove in the second half of the year and settled down a bit. And last year in double A, I uh, had a bit of a niggling injury to start the year. I was got held back a couple of weeks in spring training with an oblique issue and went up to double A first start. wasn't wasn't really that good. Walked a Walked four guys or something like that, and, and settled in after that, and had a pretty good, uh, pretty good run for the rest of the year, and played in the playoffs that year in two thousand nineteen. Yep, and um, went to Arizona Fall League after that, and had a pretty good time out there as well. So it's been smooth sailing really for me, just going in, keeping it simple, doing the same routine, and going out and having some fun, throwing some strikes, and. T- yeah, you're saying about throwing some strikes. I think I read something last year. You threw the least number of walks than any pitcher in in the uh, in the in the team or the organization. So mm-hmm. your accuracy, you know, you're not a 95, 97 mile an hour fastball pitcher. Yep. Tell us about the, the style of throw you are, and, and and what works for you, and what's going to get you up those levels. Oh, I'm a guy that throws about 88 to 90, 91 on a good day. Um, I'm a guy that just uh, likes to pound the zone and keep hitters off balance and mix it up and yeah just keep it like away from the middle of the plate and just hit my corners and hit my spots and yeah just keep hitters off balance you've been a starter through the last couple of years through Mm -hmm. your progression through Mm -hmm. a ball to double a longer term do you see yourself being a starter as you you sort of head towards triple a and and hopefully through to the the big leagues yeah i'd like to see myself as a starter right up through until i if i can crack it the big leagues, but I'm I'm happy pitching wherever they put me in the big leagues. I wouldn't wouldn't care if I had to relieve or start. I wouldn't care if I had to run water or something. I'd be up there. <laughs> I'd just do it. Oh, once you're there, unreal. Tell us about this Arizona Fall League. It's um, it's a big step. Yeah, Arizona Fall League. Um, best prospects in baseball uh, go out there, compete on six six teams. Um, each each team had five different like major league clubs affiliate like affiliated with it and. Met a bunch of good guys on my team and I had a really good time out there. Pitched pretty well. Um, yeah, it was just a, a really good time out in Arizona. First time going out there. So took it all in, seen some cactuses and <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It, it must be a huge, um, it must be a huge motivation for you when you get selected as part of an Arizona Fall League. You're almost getting a sniff of what the big leagues could be could be like yeah that's no doubt driven you yeah absolutely um we got we got treated pretty well out in arizona and it's very like if not close to being the big leagues it's like almost like very professional the way they way we're um when we're there like everyone's just out there to just get extra reps in and stuff like that but i mean i i took i took the opportunity with both arms and i didn't didn't let go so yeah and you pitched pretty well while you're there as well. I put up some good numbers. Yeah, yeah good numbers. Um, I think I only gave up a couple of runs or something in the innings that I threw over there. And yeah, just I was I was out of the bullpen too, so a different role for me. Um, limit because I was uh, innings limit out there, and um, just different role. Um, come into situations where I've never been in before, and try like I I didn't mind coming out of the bullpen. I I, I liked it actually. Um, just to different you know, view of pitching like in a professional um, environment. So, yeah. Was there one thing you learnt from that, that stint? Uh, how to get ready quickly. Uh, once you get the call down, uh, say get loose, and it could be a matter of two pitches later in the game. So I, ha- I, got, I rushed myself a couple of times. I got called up pretty quick and a hitter later I was in the game, but I found it you know, interesting. But you have no time to 
like think about anything. So before you know it, you're out in the game and you just go to work. A great end to 2019 for you. A really, really tough way for 2020 to end up. Mm-hmm. You know, we no doubt you you came into 2020 with with great hope and expectations. How tough has it been after finishing 19 like it was to to see 2020 pan out how it has? Uh, a bit disappointing, really. Uh, we're all hoping to play a full season this year, but with the pandemic coming along, it just halted everything and. You know, um, I got invited. I was lucky enough to get invited to Major League Spring Training this year, and I had a little bit of a bl- oblique issue, so I never got to throw in any games. But just to be around the group and to be around the guys, um, just to get to know everyone, just to hopefully one day, you know, I'm there, you know, with them playing 162 games of the year and or plus playoffs if we're lucky enough to get there. And I'm just hoping one day I can get that uh, get that opportunity. It's almost in reach. I think so, yeah. yeah I, hopefully I'm closer than I think I am, but I don't know. I just I don't try not to worry about that and just go out and pitch and it will take care of itself. It must be tough for both of you. Um, during 2020, you've been back at home. We were talking before we um, we started the podcast that you both have, um, have training programs and, and strength and conditioning programs to do. I suppose going back to you, Lockie, you've been fortunate in a way that you've both been able to work together. Um, to keep each other motivated, but it's it, it still must be tough being out of that team environment that, that you've been in and, and looks after you so well to keep that momentum going. Yeah, definitely. Um, being around the, the guys every day and having um, that team com- camaraderie is definitely huge, especially when you're um, going out there and competing every day. But I mean, I'm, we're both lucky that we've got each other, be able to throw with every day and, um, you know, keep um, the competition going and making sure that one one of us is doing, the other one is trying to do better. So, I mean, yeah, it sucks in one way, but it's a, it's not the worst thing in the other way. So, yeah. Not only does the the um, major and minor league baseball been shut down through 2020, so too was the Tokyo Olympic Games. And I know both of you guys would have had um, your eye on that one, both been part of Team Australia. Where did we get to... Australian baseball, where did you two guys get to with, with Team Australia um, coming into 2020? AJ, where was um, where were you looking at to be representing Australia? Oh, I was hoping. I was one of the lucky guys to be selected to go over to Tokyo and play in the Olympics, but uh, we would have had to qualify first and this um, whole pandemic um, stopped the qualifying, um, yeah, the qualifiers and stuff like that, so that halted that, but... Um, we're still getting updates and stuff on uh, what's going to be happening in the future with the Australian team, and um, hopefully, when this all stuff, all this stuff clears up, we can get the qualifiers, go win a qualifier, and be that lucky team to go to the Olympics. Now, you both were a part of the World Baseball Classic in Japan in uh, in 2017. Lockie, you had a couple of um, a couple of outings over there at the Tokyo Dome. I think against was it Cuba? Yeah, Cuba and Japan. Against Japan. 40,000 crowd at the Tokyo Dome. You would never have pitched in front of a, te- a crowd like that prior? Oh, there's been a couple grand finals at Miller Field that we, <laughs> we, we might have had 40,000. I don't know. I think they sold out tickets or something like that. Nah. Beside the, beside the obvious. Yeah. Um, no. to- tell us about that experience stepping onto the mound of the Tokyo Dome against Japan, which, you know, we, we all know that the baseball is big in America, but it is absolutely fanatical in Japan. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, running out because the bullpen was underneath the stadium or behind our um, dugout, and we were. And I was like, got the call to warm up, and I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be, this is me. I'm going out to pitch against Japan in the WBC in the Tokyo Dome. And I was like, oh, right, just calm down. So I got ready, and on my way out to the the field, I took the the wrong exit to get uh, <laughs> to get out to the field from the bullpen. So that was. Oh, it was a good uh, good start to running out and then walking up the steps. I Wait, just you popped. didn't end up in the car park or anything, did you? No, no, <laughs> no. Nothing like that. Ended up in the um, beer stand, actually. <laughs> grabbing a quick goldie. <laughs> no. Um, so running up the stairs, too, I was like, oh, just don't chew all the stairs. Be, the camera's about to be rolling. You're about to walk straight out onto the Tokyo Dome. I was like, all right. Once I got out there, I got given the ball and I just took a deep breath and just looked at looked at everything and then just threw my warm-up pitches and I think I tried to throw the first pitch as hard as I could 
to in my warm ups, and I was like, all right, don't do that. Don't try and don't try and um, don't be a hero. Yeah, don't, don't don't need to be a hero. Just got to <laughs> just got to do my job and get get the outs. And uh, yeah, once I got the ball back from uh, third baseman, uh, Husey came over to me actually playing first base and just said, yeah, look around and take a deep breath. And once you've uh, once you get set on that mound, just don't look up. Look at Desan and just trust him, and you guys will uh, get three outs. And that's what happened. I just I remember that day very like it was it's in my mind every time I go out to pitch. I'm like, if I can pitch in front of forty thousand people in the Tokyo Dome, I can do anything. That's as close as it you've come at the moment to um to playing big league baseball. Was it a moment like that that inspires you to play on a stage like that every day? Absolutely. That's um. Once I um, walked out and saw all the people there and all the the drums and their chants that the Japanese fans do, and it was nuts. It's just one of those things I'll never forget, and it definitely does drive me to get to that next level and being able to can uh, compete every day, 162 games in front of uh, fans like that. Absolutely. Now this season, the Australian Baseball League, hopefully all things going well, kicking off on uh, on the 18th of December. Now AJ, this is your first. Um First time suiting up for the Blue Sox. You must be, both of you must be delighted to just simply be getting on the mound again and, and throwing in a game of baseball. Yeah, um, yeah I'm pretty pretty excited. Um, I'd, first time playing for the Blue Sox. I get to play with Lachlan. I haven't done that in a few years, so it'll be fun. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting out on the mound and competing again. It's been a while, but should be good. Do you... Do you use this league, this um, this league, and this season as a as much a preparation for going into the next minor league season as anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, go out there and treat it uh, like it's a you know a minor league game or a major league game, spring training, or just go out and treat it like it's baseball and go go do work and uh, go get outs and yeah, get after it. What about yourself, Lockie? I suppose it's the same with you. It's getting the work in is, is really important. And given you haven't – no baseball 2018, 2019 you got back again, 2020, it's been a real stop-start the last few years. Building some momentum is really important for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's one thing I'm looking forward to is being able to compete again because obviously didn't get the opportunity to um, compete in the minor league season this year. And that's just one thing I'm looking forward to is being able to get out there and pitch for the Blue Sox again. Haven't done that in a while. And um, – yeah, use it as a stepping stone for next spring training. You've been around it for a couple of years now. Who do you see? I suppose we haven't seen a huge amount with, with signings and rosters, but who do you see as um, at this stage as, as the big threats for, for the Blue Sox this year? Big threats? I mean, I think we're, um, we're all going to be um, competitive together and um, there'll be some guys that obviously will do will stand out, but I think if we all like work as a team and – we're all competitive together and we can all if anyone can step up in any situation and get the outs that are needed or drive in the runs. I mean Blue Sox um, there's no reason why every player that's puts a Blue Sox uniform on isn't a threat this year, so And I, and AJ the um We've seen a link with the New York Mets this year. Mm-hmm. A couple of real quality signings coming out here to uh, to boost a, the Blue Sox lineup. Assembling a very nice looking roster this year that all going well could be a real a real threat to this league. Yeah, absolutely. Um Buckets and Dobby have done a pretty good job uh getting that um Mets uh affiliation and hopefully those guys can come out and compete and be very competitive and I mean guys oh, they got their what number one prospect, the Mets mm-hmm. coming out. So uh, they'll be good. He, um sure he's gonna swing it pretty good in Blacktown. Big ballpark, so let's see, let's see if he can get one or a couple out. But yeah, no, nah, it's it's going to be good. Um, a lot of good guys coming out. Um, got this Manny Ramirez block coming out as well. It's pretty handy, I hear. So he could probably be your dad. Yeah, he's old enough. <laughs> but, what what yeah. did you make of the of, of the Manny Ramirez signing? Oh, I first seen it with um when Auckland posted it, and I was just like, oh, that's... I thought, oh, okay, this is April Fools or something. And I'm just like, oh, okay, but when Dobby's said that um, he got Manny Ramirez and I'm just like, oh, real deal now. Like, mm. I take Dobby's word for it. He's pretty pretty quick to get on these signings and stuff like that. So, I mean, still, it was a bit of a shock really because I was thinking, like, 
Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? Like, you would never expect uh, Manny Ramirez to come out and play in the Australian Baseball League. So I'm excited just to meet meet him and say hi and introduce myself and hopefully he doesn't big league me or anything like that. But (laughs) Well, a couple of the guys who we've spoken to, they've had some Zoom calls with him and, and, you know, he's mentioned Bucket and and, and Dobby. Their associations with him have been fantastic. Mm. Uh, Howie and, and Josh Guy were talking last week that, if anyone was going to give him the big league treatment, it would be Manny, but he was the total opposite. Yeah. He was just a great guy who just wants to come here and play baseball and, and perform well. We've, we've seen on his Instagram account, he's got the, the blue glove with the Australian flag on it and, um, you know, the, the blue socks blue. So uh, it, it's going to be exciting, Lockie, for the, just for the whole league and for Australian sport to have him out here. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it just – not for um, him to be on the same team, like us playing on the same team together, but for Baseball Australia in general and Sydney Blue Sox and Baseball New South Wales. Like, we're going to have one of the biggest superstars to ever put on a baseball uniform playing for Sydney. Mm. And the amount of media and um, all that, what do they call it, media, TV deals and just people coming to the games. Like, yeah, they're coming to see Manny Ramirez, but... More bums on seats to watch us, bigger crowd, more noise. We win a couple of ball games and you never know. There is gonna be there the whole year. So it's definitely gonna be a big thing, not for or not just for us, but for yeah, baseball in Australia. It's gonna be huge. Absolutely. Looking forward to it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, can't wait. AJ, you're pumped? Yeah, I'm just glad I don't have to face him. <laughs> <laughs> Lockie and AJ, it's been awesome to sit down with you two guys. It's um it's been wonderful tracking your progress over the years. It's great to see you doing so well. We probably should let you get back to the golf course. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Well, there they are, two young superstars of this Sydney Blue Sox lineup, Lachlan and Alexander Wells. We cannot wait to see them part of it this year. The Sydney Blue Sox season, which does get underway on the 17th of December, four-game series against the Melbourne Aces. Get your tickets now sydneybluesocks.com.au Now this episode was uh, actually recorded a couple of weeks ago and since then if you've been following the Sydney Blue Sox socials there has been a big, big development in the career of AJ Wells Just a couple of days ago he was added to the Baltimore Orioles 40-man roster a huge step towards uh, making his dream come true and heading to the big leagues I caught up with him just a couple of days ago so just dropping straight after this a bonus episode We'll have a chat to AJ Wells about his uh, inclusion into the Baltimore Orioles 40-man roster. Stick around and have a listen to that. In the meantime, make sure you keep following us on our socials at Sydney Blue Sox, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook to find out everything you need to know about your ball club. Thanks for joining us once again. Keep sticking around for this bonus episode where we catch up with AJ. In the meantime, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Blue Sox Banter is a Karis Communications production hosted by me, Glenn Hawke, for the Sydney Blue Sox.